Well, uh, we've officially entered the twilight zone. What a crazy game. What a crazy day of football. Coulter Nuanez, Skyline Sports. Maybe you're listening on ESPN Radio. Thanks for being here. Recording this like 1.30 in the morning. Don't have uh, much of a voice left. We'll try to make it as concise, quick-hitting, informative, and uh, potentially, but no promises, uh, entertaining as possible. Just returned. I guess we've been home for about an hour, uh, but post-game press conference did not wrap until well into 30, 35 minutes into Sunday morning here after Montana rallies from a 24-3 deficit against Southeast Missouri State for a 34-24 victory. The key plays, Malik Flowers kickoff return for a touchdown, a junior Bergen punt return for a touchdown, and uh, a 21-point flurry that then turned into 31 unanswered points for Montana. As they win going away, and again, if they were down 24-3 right out of the halftime locker room, it looked like the Grizz season was over, looked like he was stick a fork in them, uh, but they move on. So we'll hear from several people from that game. We will hear from Montana head coach Bobby Houck. We'll hear from Montana senior captain Robbie Houck, who became the all-time leading tackler in the history of Big Sky Conference football in this game. We'll hear from Malik Flowers, who not only had the kick return for a touchdown, but had his best day as a Grizz receiver. He, had, he was targeted 12 times, had seven catches for 108 yards. That's a season high for a Montana receiver. And we'll also hear from Tom Maku- Matukowicz, who is the head coach of Southeast Missouri State. His team played hard. They're tough. Thought his quarterback, Paxson DeLaurent, was a very good player. Gino Hess, the running back, a Walter Payton Award finalist. He's a good player as well. Uh, he ended up rushing for 122 yards. DeLaurent threw for 277. Uh, and those were kind of about their season averages coming into this game. Simo outgained Montana, but it was the special teams plays and uh, just the flip of momentum that really gave Montana the win. Before we get into three big things about the Grizz, uh, as well as some of those sound bites, let's talk about the rest of the FCS playoffs. The morning action was not that good. You can see some of these auto-qualifier conferences on the eastern side of the country in the FCS. They're just nowhere as competitive as the teams out west. Uh, but the CAA is the one really good league out east, and they drew a lot of those smaller, not fully funded uh, squads in the first round. So the CAA went 3-1 and one in the first round. The wins, Delaware 56-17 to over St. Francis. St. Francis out of the NEC. That's the Northeastern Conference. Not fully funded conference. When I say not fully funded, that means not uh, full scholarship allotments. I think the NEC's rolling with mid-40s, maybe low-40s of scholarships, whereas fully funded FCS conferences, 63 total scholarships, spread out among as many as 85 total players. So Delaware, a team that was in the top 10 at one point this year, uh, had a three-game losing streak. They're very reminiscent of Montana, actually. Uh, But they came through. Uh, they won 56-17, so they move on to play top-seeded South Dakota State next week in Brookings. New Hampshire, they held on for a 52-42 win over Patriot League champion Fordham. So UNH, uh, excuse me, Fordham is a, the second team out of the Patriot. Uh, UNH moves on to 
play Patriot League champion Holy Cross, who's undefeated, and the eighth seed. The other CAA results included Richmond drilling Davidson. Richmond uh, out of the CAA, Davidson out of the Pioneer League, a non-scholarship conference that gets an auto-qualifying bid. Don't get me started on that. Uh, fine football in the in the Pioneer League, but, I mean, come on. Non-scholarship teams getting auto-bids in the playoffs? I don't know, man. I don't I, 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 No one has been able to adequately explain to me why the 24-team playoff is, is better than the 16-team playoff besides just more games on TV. But I digress. Uh, and then the, uh, the one loss by a CAA team came as Elon laid an egg in the first half. They lose thirty or in, in the first round, excuse me. They lose thirty-one to six to Furman. Your other results. Oh, by the way, Richmond moves on to play number two, Sac State, and Furman moves on to play number seven, Incarnate Word. Then uh, in the late afternoon, early evening games, you had Weber State, the first Big Sky Conference, first of three Big Sky Conference schools that played. And they raced out to a 24-0 win, or excuse me, 24-0 lead. And uh, then they were up 38-17 over North Dakota. And North Dakota chipped away, scored a couple touchdowns. They're down 38-31 late in the fourth quarter. But Weaver State comes up with a turnover on downs and then is able to run out the clock. So Weaver moves on 38-31. So the Wildcats will get their rematch against Montana State. That was a crazy game in Bozeman on October 22nd. Uh, four snaps out of the back of the end zone by Grant Sands stole all the headlines. That was Weber State's long snapper basically spotting the Bobcats eight points plus possessions. But there was also a bunch of drops by Weber State's receivers in that game. They cost the Wildcats, certainly. And Tommy Mallott rushed for 273 yards in that game for the Bobcats. So uh, a welcome rematch for the Wildcats. Poor seating if you're the committee. You got two 10-win teams playing in the second round in Bozeman. I think probably two of the top five or six teams in the country uh, in a second-round game. So that's rough, but a, a good win for Weber State. And uh, that was just the beginning of the craziness for the Big Sky Conference. By the way, on the other side of that bracket, uh, Eastern Kentucky and Gardner-Webb went back and forth, and Gardner-Webb rallied for a 52-41 victory. So Gardner-Webb moves on to play fifth-seeded William & Mary. So that's what the bottom left of the bracket looks like. And then the top right... Uh, Idaho and southeastern Louisiana kicked off a night game uh, in Hammond, Louisiana, just outside Baton Rouge. A lot of people thought Idaho got the short end of the stick, not getting to host a game. Uh, There's a lot of reports that the, it was the bidding that was maybe a little bit flawed and uh, you know Idaho being back in the FCS and not having been in the playoffs before since returning to the FCS, maybe that went into it. But here and there, a, a crazy game, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, Idaho was up 21-10, and then southeastern Louisiana flipped it 31-21, and then Idaho scored twice in a row to go up 35-31, and then southeastern Louisiana scored 14 unanswered, including uh, pick six for a touchdown to put the the hosts up 45-35. But right after Giovanni McCoy, the stud freshman quarterback for the Vandals, threw that pick six, he responded by throwing a 70-yard touchdown to Jermaine Jackson, and that cut the lead to 45-42. Idaho got another stop after that as well to get the ball back. Then they get into field goal range. They have a 39-yard field goal to tie it. And uh, Ricardo Chavez, their kicker, he nails the first one. 
But Frank Selfo, the SELA head coach, calls a timeout, and then Idaho lines up again, and Chavez slips and barely misses the kick, and uh, Idaho's magical season comes to an end. So good run by the Vandals, uh, but they were the first Big Sky team out. Everybody else advanced. So four of the five Big Sky teams in or into the 16, round of 16. And uh, Idaho, the one that had to go on the road, they proved why it just is so hard to win on the road in the FCS playoffs. So Idaho uh, falls 45-42 on a missed last-second, potentially game-tying field goal to southeastern Louisiana. So Sela moves on to play SoCon champ Sanford. And then in the uh, the last game, that was the game we just returned from, Montana pulls out a 34-24 victory over southeast Missouri State. The Grizzlies head to Fargo next week to take on North Dakota State. So one more time, here is your matchups for the round of 16 in the FCS playoffs. Number one, South Dakota State plays Delaware. That's 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time kick. These kickoff times are from the NCAA website. Holy Cross plays New Hampshire. That's a 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time kick. Holy Cross, the 8 seed, New Hampshire, uh, unseated. Number five, William & Mary hosts Gardner-Webb. That's a noon Mountain Standard Time kick. Montana State hosts Weber State. That's a 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time kick. The Bobcats are the four seed. Montana at North Dakota State, the three seed. The Bison are. That one kicks at 1.30 Mountain Standard Time. Southeastern Louisiana plays at Sanford at 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Furman plays at Incarnate Word. That's the seventh seeded Incarnate Word. Uh, host Furman at noon Mountain Standard Time. And then Sac State gets the uh, the last game of the opening round. We'll see. TV might uh, impede this and, and rearrange it. But Sac State hosts Richmond. Right now, at least, that's scheduled for 3 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So four Big Sky Conference teams into the round of 16. Weber at Montana State. Sac State hosts Richmond. Montana at North Dakota State. So there you go. That's your uh, FCS playoff bracket. Coulter Nuanez, Skyline Sports, as well as ESPN MT. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, late night, it's going to be almost closing time by the time I get this thing put to bed, but uh, appreciate you for following along. Thanks for listening uh, to the Big Sky Breakdown or to ESPN Radio, uh, however you are following along. We really appreciate having you here. All right, let's go three big things about the Grizz. Number one. Uh, I'll never forget Montana's first-round playoff game, playoff win in 2009 uh, over South Dakota State. They were down big. Uh, I think they are down 41-14 and 48-17 in that game. Uh, but Mark Mariani willed them back to a victory at a kick return and a punt return for a touchdown. And uh, they come all the way back for a 61-48 win. Now, uh, Bobby Houck pointed to parallels for that game. And, and, you know, as annoying and as critical as I have been, as annoying as it is to me and as critical as I have been about Montana uh, being so obsessed with living in the past, and also some of what I think is is almost sacrilegious references to comparing this present team to the past, there are a few parallels because by no means is this Grizz team as good as that 2009 team. I mean, that team went undefeated in league for the the third time in four years that group of guys went 51 and five during their four years at montana 31 and one against the big sky conference they won four straight conference 
championship rings. And they played for the uh, FCS national title in 2008 and 2009. That said, though, that was before the 2014 deal, and that was when only the top four teams were seeded. And Montana was the number one seed in the bracket, and South Dakota State had been D1 for like five years. So for a, a basically a, a just-transition D2 team to come to Missoula and push the, na- the defending national runner-up, who was also undefeated at that time, all the way down the wire, I think – it shows you how much the the subdivision has changed, where we are at at, at this point. But also, like Semo, Southeast Missouri, they came into Missoula as an underdog. They were two score dogs in this game coming into the the game, and uh, you know, for as as up and down and and mostly down the second half of the year, the Montana season has been. Uh, it was a team that once harbored national championship aspirations. And so even if it would have been the final nail in the coffin of a disappointing season, it still would have been a huge upset. So I think that's where the parallel is a little bit accurate because South Dakota State wins that game in 20, 2009, and it's a huge upset as well. Here's Bobby Houck on the parallels of this 34-24 victory over SEMO to that 61-48 victory over South Dakota State. Well, first of all, congratulations to SEMO uh, on a fine year. They had a, they had a, they had a great year. They're a, a, certainly a worthy adversary. They came in and and uh, got after it uh, out the gate. And then uh, also congratulations to our team on a really fine comeback effort. A lot of fight, heck of a job. Um, and then these guys up here, congratulations to Lucas on fighting back from what was a pretty inauspicious start to playing great uh, to Malik for being NCAA record holder and sparking us to this uh, comeback win and then to Robbie uh, as the greatest tackler in the history of the Big Sky Conference so heck of a night for the Montana Grizzlies Coach what was the message at halftime Uh, we need to settle down Uh, what do we have that we like Uh, we got to execute better and then we actually talked about the 2009 game against South Dakota State where we came down from four touchdowns twice. Came back from four, being down four touchdowns twice. Um, how reminiscent was this game to that game, do you think? Uh, it was kind of in the front of my mind, actually, as, it was, as we were struggling to get anything going in the first half, and we were kind of you know, we holding the rope, <laughs> trying not to let it slip out of our hands uh, the first half. I mean, it was all we could do to just hold the rope. And uh, I, I'm not joking when I say we talked about it at halftime. And then, obviously, when we were down 21 and then he went to the house, it was forefront of my mind. Very, a lot of similarities, man. Yeah. I'll call Mark tonight and say, he, I know he was watching him. I bet, uh, I bet I got a text or two on my phone from him. So, The second thing about... The Grizz, after their playoff victory. Man, the formula remains the same. When they ride the momentum, they look unstoppable. When they don't ride the momentum, they look just awful. This game, uh, I mean, they were getting boos from the uh, modest, yet I would say actually surprisingly loud and impactful crowd on hand uh, at Washington Grizz. The official attendance... Oh, they don't have an official attendance. Wow. Um, There's more people there than I thought there was going to be there. Um, 
But the crowd was booing the offense a couple different times in the first half, and the offense was completely non-existent. It was non-productive. But as soon as they seized the momentum, then it was just a boom, an avalanche of points. And Flowers has the long kick return for a touchdown. Junior Bergen has the sweet punt return for a touchdown. And in between, the offense kind of figured it out. Montana stopped running his head against a brick wall. Nick Osmo got hurt. He got knocked out of the game. He was on the uh, the uh, the running back. The stud running back for the Grizz was on the sidelines wearing a sling. And Montana sort of abandoned the, the run game and went to the air, and that resulted in some great results there as well. Malik Flowers was beating man coverage pretty darn good. Lucas Johnson also had a sweet touchdown pass to Keelan White. That cut the the touch the uh, the deficit, excuse me, to just a touchdown, and then Bergen's fifty eight yard punt return was certainly a pivotal play as well. And and when the Grizz ride the momentum and they can carry it, uh, they are really really good. It's just it's frustrating that they can't do it more consistently. Uh, but maybe this is an example of of or maybe this is a, a turning point. We'll see. It doesn't get any easier. In fact, it gets pretty much impossible going to Fargo next week. But uh, here's Bobby Alcock on how special teams and that momentum can can just flip the script of a game. The kicking game is something that we give uh, um, just due to it in terms of practice time and, and import. Um, our guys believe in uh, the fact that they can they can have an impact on the game, and you know that he was close on a couple others. They didn't really want to kick it to him anymore, but they had to because they were kicking from the 20 after an uh, unsportsmanlike deal. And that was a, a special that we had uh, dialed up for the week. We'd run our base stuff the first couple, and then we, we threw that in on them on that particular kick because we knew they were going to have to pretty much kick it deep. And it was fun seeing them get in the end zone and set the record. We actually had, what the tip sheet say? Every 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 kick return is a potential record setter. Let's go. Bobby, you mentioned some of Malik's plays in the special teams game, but on that Junior Bergen part return for a touchdown, you could almost see something pre-snap. Did you have something dialed up there? And then you you were pretty excited when he crossed the uh, the end zone to tie the game there. Well, yeah, you know it was a, the, the, first of all the game was a was a grind, and we were down twenty four to three, and then he housed the the first one and then um you know I, I mentioned we'd talked about having a shot in the kick return game we we really i really thought we had a a legit shot for a big hitter in the in the punt return game and we pressured him early um which gave the punter a little bit of urgency and then we kind of had that set up and we we thought we had a shot, and, and obviously it played out. It was a good job. by. I mean, there's 11 guys on that deal, and <clears throat> they're all pretty tuned in. I don't know where we are in the national rankings at yards per return, but it's high. Um, and that was that was certainly a big play in the game. Do you happen to see Tyler Flink blow up the, the personal protector and then also lead Bergen into the end zone on the same return? Well, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't watch the pressure. Once, once I saw he was going to get it away, I didn't watch the pressure, but I knew where the return was going, so I was watching to see if we were clean on the blocks. Um, we were, and then you know those guys—they do a good job. They they work till the play's over. I mean, our, our mantra and the punt return game is hard work equals real estate, and uh, those guys work hard. 
And here's Tom Matukowicz, the head coach of Southeastern Missouri. He totally acknowledged that the game was flipped on special teams. They were trying to kick away from Malik Flowers. They were trying to kick away from Junior Bergen. They couldn't, and uh, Montana made them pay. Here's Simo's head coach on how special teams flipped the momentum of the game. Yeah, we knew it was going to be four to five plays are going to decide the outcome. And Montana made those plays and did a really nice job. And hats off to those guys. Any questions from the media? Coach, of 24 3, where do you think Montana was able to swing momentum in their favor? I think the special teams, obviously, um, you know, they were better than us in special teams. We were hoping to break even, um, but, you know, they those guys did a nice job for them. What was your strategy in terms of your kickoff unit with number 19 back there for Montana? He's been so dangerous all year. We tried, you could see how we tried to move the ball all over and just tried to change where he's catching it and all those angles and all that stuff. And he dropped it, dribbled it, and took off, you know. And so, uh, you know, pretty dynamic player. Coach, I guess the same question about the kick returners on the punt. Were you trying to keep it away from their, their punt returner? Yes. Uh, towards the end, we did a little bit better job, um, but uh, miss hit the ball a couple times. On kickoff, uh, he totally mishit it. You know, we have a freshman there, and I know he did everything he could, but kicked it away from our coverage, which isn't isn't great. Coach, can you just sum up this the season for your guys, uh, conference championship, and uh, you know nine wins? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, um, right now. You just need to get through the night, but, you know, don't be sad it's over. Just be glad it happened. This was as close and as tight of a team that I've ever been a part of. We've done a lot of beautiful things. Um, you know, won't be able to coach a lot of guys again. That's really turned our program around. And, um, you know, this is another step in playing at Missoula and, and a, a playoff. And our progression is growing as a program. Like, these are things that we need to learn from and, and all that and uh, go back to building a better, stronger team for next year. And how about Malik Flowers? Seven kick returns for touchdowns in his illustrious Grizz career. That ties Rashid Shaheed for the Big Sky Conference and football championship subdivision record for kick returns for touchdowns in a career. That's seven of them for Flowers. And that he seems to always get it done in the clutch. Huge day by him. Malik Flowers on the return. And Malik, can you just take us through your return? It looked like they were kicking it away from you, obviously, as everybody does. But um, it seemed like it was on the other side of the field when you when you finally scooped it and then were able to score it. Yeah, I think initially they were trying to kick it to Junior. But we were. Uh, I was pretty vocal, and we were like, all right, Junior, I'm going to get to it. But I kind of took my eyes off it, and that's where you saw it bounce off my helmet. So I'm, like, scrambling, looking for the ball. But, you know, the guys kept – kept up the assignment, you know, stayed on blocks. So when I was able to get the ball, found a seam, and then just let, let my feet do the rest. They did a great job up front. That's what allowed me to find a, find a seam and get open. So it's always nice scoring. The guys up front do a great job. We were fired up about it all week. So And Robbie Houck became the all-time leading tackler in the history of the Big Sky Conference, passing Ronnie Hamlin. Uh, his record-tying tackle came on a fourth and five, which was a pivotal play in the game. And... Uh, you know, for as bad as the Grizz looked in the first half, I thought that their seniors really rose up and, and showed that they did not want to be done playing. Patrick O'Connell got hurt again. It looked like that high ankle sprain flared up again, but he was able to come back and, and wreak some havoc there 
in the second half. He actually looked great in the second half. And uh, Robbie Houck made a couple huge plays, ended up with 15 tackles. And they were able to stifle Simo's offense just enough. Here is uh, Robbie Houck on special teams momentum and not wanting to lose. When you're able to make a play on special teams, and I mean two on special teams, that's incredible. Um, and that, that obviously helps us. You know, everybody feeds off that offense and defense. Uh, and, uh, I mean, it kind of just ties back to what we talked about at halftime, just being confident in, in our, uh, our game plan and um, executing our job and um, being able to just go out and make plays. And we were able to do that after those after those big plays. And uh, it was a lot of fun. So do you ha- I don't know how old you were, but what memories do you have of that game, do you think? Probably that play specifically uh, when Mark kind of sparked the comeback and um, took a kick return to the house like Malik did today. Um, and then just the defense uh, hunkering down and, um, you know, getting off the field and getting the offense on the field and getting them in a rhythm. So it was a lot of similarities today. It was pretty cool. Another another great game to be a part of. Touchdown or whatever. Was there ever, like, the thought of, like, I, I, we can't end the season, you know, like this? Like, especially as a senior, like, do any of those thoughts cross your head in the game? And, like, how much, like, desperation did you want to have just to, you know, come back? I mean, obviously a little bit there's that – uh, in the back of your mind, like, look, this could be the last game. We don't want to make it that way. But I mean, I think it's more of just a, like, all right, let's get it going. Let's let's uh, let's start executing better and uh, have plays uh, go our way and make some plays. And you know, when you feel the momentum shift, it's it's pretty fun, and you gotta you gotta hold it. Um, and you know, everybody was everybody was really dialed in throughout the entire second half, not to let them back in it. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm proud of everybody. It was it was awesome. Robbie, when you made the record-breaking tackle, did you know that was it, or how did you find out, and what was that moment like? Uh, the announcers on the uh, in the stadium announced it. I was uh, I was kind of I was dealing with my chin getting split open. I didn't really have much of an opportunity to celebrate or anything. But uh, I'm uh, honestly I'm more fired up about the win um, our team had. That's a heck of a comeback and a he- heck of an effort by us. So it was it's great though. Big Sky Breakdown, Coulter Nuanez, SkylineSportsMT.com, as well as ESPN Radio. Thanks for being with us here. Uh, No matter if you're listening way late night, Sunday night, or uh, into the uh, morning hours of Sunday morning, no matter what, I appreciate you for following along. The third big thing about the Grizz, well, now they get a shot at NDSU. uh, One of the great wins in program history came in 2015 when Montana knocked out North Dakota State. Pundits and cynics would say that was the worst thing that ever happened to Bob Stitt. Pundits and cynics might say the worst thing that ever happened to this iteration of the Grizz was beating Washington last year because that was a high water mark, and they've been fighting and swimming and treading water to get back to that mark. Regardless, I digress. The uh, the premier program in FCS football, just in terms of total wins, between 2000 and 2009 was Montana. They won 119 games. They had the 2001 National Championship, but they also had uh, four national championship game losses, so nowhere near the uh, collection of trophies that the Bison had. But then uh, North Dakota State, over these last 12 years, they've been the gold standard. Uh, they have won nine out of the last 11 national championships, if you count the spring season, and uh, they've been to the team to beat year in and year out. They are the three seed this year, which if it tells you about their, their tradition – in recent years, people think they're down this year because they went 9-2 and two with a loss to a Pac-12 team 
and the number one seed in the bracket. <laughs> so that's a down year at NDSU. And uh, people think they're vulnerable. I, I disagree. I It'll be interesting to see how Montana matches up. I think it's an incredibly uh, difficult Goliath facing the Grizzlies uh, in Fargo on Saturday. But here's Bobby Houck on his initial thoughts on the Bison. Coach, you're headed to Fargo next week to play a powerhouse program there. Do you have any initial thoughts on that game? Well, I'm excited about it, uh, first of all. Uh, you know, we've we've talked. We know we know their staff a little bit and have high regard for. I mean, I know the last three head coaches are pretty good buddies, and including Coach Ants, and and uh, really have a high regard for them. They're the they're the gold standard, and there's no other way to put it. Uh, with what's gone on the last ten years there, um, but you know we've been talking we've been on a collision course towards this game we were wondering when we were going to get a chance to play figured we would at some point and happens to be next weekend they go through big things about the grizzlies plus a roundup of all of the fcs playoff bracket thanks for being with us here on skylinesportsmt.com or on espn radio i am coulter nuanas we'll be back with full uh reactions and analysis of everything that went down over the weekend on monday on the montana football hour from 4 to 5 p.m., the first hour of your week on Nuanas Now, my daily radio show on ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MTF. Thanks for being with us. And if you're listening late night, go get some sleep. That's what I'm going to do. In the meantime, thanks for being here, and uh, we'll see you soon.